Hey everybody, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. We are back on schedule. We uh, finished Device Talks West last week. We'll review the highlights of it today. We'll have on the podcast, Chris Newmarker, of course, myself, Sean Hooley, Associate Editor of Mass Device, and Brian Bunce, our Pharma Editor. Once again, we'll go over uh, our high points of Device Talks West. If you have any more of your own, please uh, please do share them in the LinkedIn post where you hopefully found this podcast. After our stroll through memory lane, I'll bring in CL Tian. She is the co-founder and CEO of FIAX Technologies. FIAX won the MedTech Innovators Grand Prize at AdMed this week walking away with $350,000. The uh, decision was based upon a vote from the audience, which is a cool feature that uh, MedTech Innovator has been able to do and will do once again at our Device Talks Boston meeting, which is happening on May 10th and 11th of 2023. So congratulations to all the finalists for MedTech Innovator. We reviewed them last week. And uh, special congratulations, of course, again, to FIAX Technologies. I did catch up with CL Tian, and uh, it was great to connect with her. We actually had met once or twice before, and uh, it was great to see that FIAX's very promising technology is getting recognized, and uh, CL will get into the problem, the very big problem FIAX Technologies is trying to solve. Before we begin, I want to remind you that Device Talks Tuesdays continues to roll on. Please join us this Tuesday at 4 p.m., The title of the topic will be Bridging the Gap Between Development and Regulatory Teams. It's brought to you by ICS. You can sign up for it at devicetalks.com. It's free. You can watch it live and ask questions. You can watch on demand and still ask questions. So no risk. This is a no risk opportunity. Go to devicetalks.com to register for our upcoming Device Talks Tuesdays sponsored by ICS. All right. Without any further delay, let's get this podcast going. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Chris Newmarker, how are you, sir? Doing well, man. Doing well. You uh, you you're back at home, all comfy, cozy. That's Back from right. California last week. That's right, but a good, good, uh, good time in California. Really, I mean, really good show that we had out, you know, out in uh, Santa Clara with Device Talks West. So just, uh, just busy times. We're definitely in the thick of conference season right now. Absolutely, we can hit upon a couple of them. Uh, I actually stayed in California through Monday, and then on Tuesday they had an earthquake. And uh, Brian Bunce, we have Brian Bunce and Sean Hooley with us. Brian, did you feel the the quake on Tuesday? I did not. I think I'm too far away in Berkeley, so I didn't notice. Or I slipped oh. through it. <laughs> <laughs> I was on my bucket list. I want to feel an earthquake. I want like an earthquake that kind of jostles you a bit and then ends pretty quickly. It sounded like the perfect earthquake for me. Sp- but uh... Spoken like a true Californian. Yeah, I just left that fine pointer. <laughs> it's, just, it's nothing. I had a former med tech colleague talk about a bed sliding across the floor. So that's probably not the kind you want to have. Wow. No, no yeah. yeah. That's, I'm not interested in that kind of earthquake. Absolutely <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Sean Hooley, have you ever been in an earthquake? I can't say I have. No? No. no. Is it on maybe, your bucket maybe. list as well? 
low on there, but somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right. it's probably along the list with like see a tornado in person. Like, no, I don't, don't, don't need that. <laughs> Natural disasters in general, I think, yeah. avoid. No, that's probably good policy. Run, run from a tsunami. No, no, I think I'll pass on that. <laughs> hey, f- so, you know, it's uh, it's interesting, too, because, you know, so, I mean, yeah, we're in the thick of conference season. We had Device Talks West, just, like, just just great show. I, I just thought, I just love how, uh, you know, there just was so much buzz there, just so many, like, really, really good uh, people to network with. I mean, networking with people I haven't seen in person in years, too, which was just fantastic. Um, um, Sean was at Advamed this week, Advamed mm-hmm. going on in Boston. Uh, me and you, Tom, will be at MDM Minneapolis uh, next week. Um, I, uh, one interesting thing with Sean's coverage of Avamed was what's, there was like some top executives talking about the med tech ecosystem, which got me wondering, like, so if med tech was an animal I and mean, what would med, what animal would med tech be in the, um, in the eco healthcare ecosystem? Uh, I, I would probably make it. The elephant, you know, big and powerful, but kind of lumbering and slow moving, not easily, not easy to adopt. Does that work? Is that good? I, I, you know, I. What would you go with? You think a cheetah? I think a beaver. I mean, it's not like. And that's the the end of our podcast, everybody. It's not not the top of the food chain, but, you know, it's, it's, you know, (laughs) industrious, hardworking, reshaping the landscape, you know, like, you know, like we, I mean, it's not like MedTech could like overall healthcare on its own but you know if, if it offers the right solutions it could like reach I, I think the fda would, would be the beaver because i, I have some, so. some beavers near my house that have blocked my my path for my kayak and i can't do a thing about oh. it so that feels very fda-ish don't you think are you do you have a, th- a problem with beavers tom <laughs> not personal problem no they're just they dammed up my local river i got to i'd like to go by and i can't go by <laughs> this is the natural way of things. They knew they were trying. <laughs> I know, but I would like to kayak the rest of the river. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Gonna, but no. Are you going to have like a? Are you going to have a beaver skin? Anyway, next time you know, I see I have, just to clarify the record, I have no issue with beavers. Uh, Sean Hooley's the one who has the issue with beavers, right, Sean? Yeah, beavers, <laughs> beavers, and natural disasters—two things yeah. I don't like. <laughs> All right, let's get back into into Device Talks West. Yeah, it was a very productive two days, a lot of energy, a, lot of, a great time at the Santa Clara Convention Center. Uh, people seem to be uh, really uh, uh, happy to be together, and we had a lot of great conversations uh, on stage and off. So uh, thank you to everyone who participated, who attended. Thank you to everyone who sponsored, and thank you to everyone who spoke. We had over 50 fantastic speakers there over the two days, and uh, we'll be doing it again next year. Uh, same two days, different dates, uh, 18th and 19th of October. So uh, mark off yeah. your calendars and uh, let's let's make it huge. But uh, we wanted to spend our top five time, sort of uh, new markers, newsmakers time, just talking about some of the news from Device Talks West. And Sean, if you have anything you'd like to to share from uh, from Advimed, that's great. We'll be talking with uh, CLTian, the uh, CEO of FIAX, which won the MedTech Innovator Award. She'll be on the podcast a little later. So uh, we'll get uh, her story and the story of FIAX, which is a really cool, cool story for device sterilization. But uh, Chris Newmarker, what were a couple of your takeaways from Device Talks West? 
Well, I'd say, um, well, yeah, I mean, definitely we had some like news breaking out of the uh, the conference, which was fantastic. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I know, Sean, you rushed out a story, uh, you know, uh, out of a uh, talk that uh, Medtronic was doing about, you know, efforts to combat a stroke. I mean, t- tell us more about that. Yeah, well, Medtronic sort of announced their soft launch of CoLab, which is a neurovascular effort or effort from its neurovascular business to sort of empower and accelerate um, startups and, you know, newer technologies to get stroke treatment to market faster. Uh, And when a giant like Medtronic is operating that, you have a sense that it probably will work um, and then do that. So, yeah, they they explained it. Uh, Dan Voles and Derek Crittenden uh, stood up and sort of launched it in front of probably i I can't speak because i wasn't in every panel but it was definitely one of the most packed panel rooms i I know you were you were bringing in uh, you were bringing in extra chairs that's right Um, i was i I was rushing to grab chairs from our uh, staff room so we could get more people sat down there's so many people in there i knew i had to be there so i got some prime real estate in the front row early so apologies to the other people who who didn't beat me there but no it was a really interesting chat and i got to do a little stand-up interview with anvils after um to chat a little bit more about it and it was a really interesting topic and a new initiative that i wonder if you know he he said it's sort of they're starting with it in the neurovascular business at medtronic but you know maybe it'll extend elsewhere and yeah. uh, i wonder if other bigger companies will start to to do similar sort of incubators yeah i had to be in another another room at that time uh which is one of the frustrating parts of the conference there was a lot of things that i missed that yeah. i wanted to see but uh speaking with dan after he just said that uh He'd just been sort of flooded with so many interesting, intriguing ideas from from innovators outside of Medtronic that he needed. They decided they needed to create some sort of system to to process all of these. He couldn't keep just bringing them up to uh, the attention of people in his in his group because it was kind of distracting. So they needed a an infrastructure to 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 sort of rank and, and to hopefully develop some of these uh, innovative ideas. So uh, very very glad Medtronic chose Device Talks West to uh, to make that announcement. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, Americans have strokes every year, um, and uh, you know, so so anything we can do to you know, help help prevent them more, help treat them more, help you know get better outcomes out of them, you know, would be would be great. So it was, it was, it was good good news for Medtronic. Um, I don't want to talk too much about Medtronic, but I mean, they they had another um, talk at the show uh, with uh, you know with. Uh, Geo Napoli, um, you know, from their gastrointestinal business that that uh, I, 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 you know, I love it when I'm at a conference and I, I, I'm just really learning some things. Um, you know, and he was talking about their uh, GI genius, you know, artificial intelligence that, uh, you know, helps uh, doctors, you know, spot potential lesions uh, when they're when they're during doing colonoscopies. And it was just a, you know, fascinating to get a walkthrough of what that you know, how that actually, you know, works, you know, that you can see like it just highlighting little, little things while they're doing the, while they're, you know, going down the, um, you know, the, the path basically with the process, you know, um, but, uh, I, I was, I was struck that he said that, uh, you know, as the day goes along, the rate of doctors finding lesions is going down, you know, you know, the, you know, in the past they did 10 a day, they're up to 15 a day yeah. post pandemic. I mean, I'm thinking the, as to when my procedure was when I had it done. Yeah. Like, like, I was think it was the afternoon or, you know, it right? was right I before mean, lunch. So I'm a little worried. Maybe right. he was hungry, he was a little peckish. I don't know. I know. And I, and something else I learned, I didn't know. They don't, they uh, don't record 
they'll record video when they do it. Like, so this is like one shot, you know, it's not like they could go back and look at the tape again and see if they missed something. So honestly, uh, we record everything in the world, right? <laughs> Nothing gets by without being recorded. No, no recordings around. So, I mean, just, there's no just, VHS tapes. Yeah, no, VHS, no, no cell phones either. They're not, I mean, they're not uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But maybe I mean, I mean, you can get a you can get a VHS tape of the. I mean, not a VHS. I mean, you can get a recording if they put a camera down your sewer pipe out out to the street. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I was. I mean, it was kind of reminding me of that. You know? <laughs> I had I had somebody come and inspect our sewer line a few weeks ago. I was like, that kind of reminds me, but like you know, like because he was kind of saying, I'm going down here. Like, look, you all got right. It. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Gia Napoli gave a great presentation. Yeah. And Brett Wall gave another excellent presentation yeah. uh, later that same day uh, on bioelectric medicine and uh, really uh, where Medtronic sees the opportunities there and uh, talked about their their tibial stimulation device, which is uh, being worked in uh, part of their pelvic health group. Um, and uh, But more broadly talked about the power of bioelectronic medicine. I really did. I'm not normally a presentation guy, but I really, like you said, Chris, I really did enjoy having those two up there and yeah. sort of give just a straight, really PowerPoint, really graphic heavy presentation. It, they were very informative and I thought very engaging. To piggyback on that one, I like the one from Brett Wall, like both of them as well, but the the Brett Wall one was interesting because he had this kind of background and early back end, early days of Medtronic, like his yeah. work on like pacemakers, like battery powered pacemakers, like how they found use, like I think in the 60s, if I recall correctly, and then... I think Brett said that he went to go meet Earl like a number of years ago when he was still alive in Hawaii. So it had a lot of interesting kind of like anecdotes woven in as well as perspective yeah. on the company's kind of plans to to broaden the use of bioelectric medicine, neuro neuroscience applications. Absolutely. No, that's a great point. Yeah, we definitely we definitely yeah. I think we'll have to build that into into future programs as well. And uh, yeah, I like those those conversations, too, because there was nothing going on at the same time. So we could all just sort of sit together and enjoy. But uh, Sean Hooley, what was uh, well, you talked about the neurovascular space. Uh, Brian, what was something uh, interesting? Brian, Brian Bunt, what was something interesting that you uh, that you covered? I used to cover the whole like regulatory environment. So I liked a presentation, actually, like a panel discussion with them, Jennifer McKinney from UCLA Biodesign and Kwame Ulmer, who's the managing partner of Medtech Impact Partners. Um, so basically the thesis says like 12 years ago, Europe was moving generally faster, was more transparent, was more predictable in terms of approving medical devices. And a lot of companies, even though the market in Europe is smaller than the US, they would go to market in Europe first and you'd have this lag of months or years before a new technology made it to the market in the US. And then in the intervening 12 years, like the FDA and like um, industry has worked together or have worked together and they've they've kind of ironed out some of those kinks. So it probably is a little bit of a case-by-case -case basis still, but it seems like overall now most companies focus now on the, the US to debut innovative technology, kind of like showing like how the, the pathway has changed. Um, I think Kwame yeah. mentioned how like the um, de novo pathway has gotten more transparent and predictable as well. So it seems like a lot of changes have happened. A lot more digital technology is now on the market so interesting hearing the perspective there. He definitely brings an interesting perspective. Having been at the FDA 10 or 12 years ago when we were going through those difficult times, or well, the medtech industry was going through the difficult times with the agency uh, or more difficult times. And now he's on the, on the flip side helping companies. So he definitely sort of brings an insider perspective. And uh, Jennifer's just been a, doing a fantastic job tracking the industry as a whole. And, and they worked on that study with Boston Consulting Group. So it was a very thorough uh, 
thorough study that, that I think if I can find the link, I'll put it on our, our show notes so people can can find the report that we're referencing. Yeah, they said it was a quantitative and qualitative view of kind of how the regulatory climate had changed, which is interesting. So I think that wasn't so much the case of the, the research from 12 years ago that kind of looked at the regulatory environment from Josh McHour. Yeah, that was more anecdotal, I believe. So uh, it's definitely a, a, a next step. Very cool. Well, it was a, it was a good write-up you did, and, and uh, I'm glad they were they were part of the conversation. Chris Newmarker, how about you, man? What is what are some other takeaways from the from the meeting? Yeah, and we we spoke a lot about Medtronic, which definitely brought it to the uh, you know to the show. But you know, at the same time, we had uh, you know your uh, interview with uh, Gary Guthart of Intuitive. I mean, I mean, how cool is it that they had just had their earnings call, and then we had them right? <laughs> the next day, you know, at the uh, convention center, and you know, and you know, they had you know talked about you know they you know talked some about how they were looking with their um, with you know, a lot of people you know were you know think when they think of intuitive think of the da vinci systems but you know they've been you know making some really great strides with their uh, ion system which is you know this uh, this kind of like flexible flexible robot this articulating robot catheter that can go go through all these like you know tortuous airway passages in the lungs to perform biopsies but um you know they uh you know they, they talked you know some um you know, um, you know, during the earnings call about how they've been looking to, you know, expand this into doing ablation, you know, and he talks some more about a device talks West, you know, saying, you know, that, this, that this, you know, that the technology there could offer, offer up opportunities for tubular structures outside the the lung as, as well. So, I mean, just getting him, hearing him talk about the ion tech was, um, was just, uh, was just really, uh, really great. And I think people who, you know, care a lot about what Intuitive is doing. They um, think they, they missed out some from that talk if they weren't there to see that talk. Yeah, it was the only time that uh, I've done an interview on stage and the and the the uh, the guest gets an ovation before we even started. <laughs> he got a big round right, of applause well. as soon as I introduced him. So people at the show are really enthused, enthused to to hear about him and to hear where Intuitive's going. And he and he clearly has a, a vision of of where uh, where the industry is headed in terms of surgical robotics. I mean, I think he sees the day when it's going to be when surgical robotics almost isn't a necessary term. That that robotics and surgery and digital surgery is just going to be just surgery. We're just going to be talking about it as if it's just a, a normal every day within the field of within the realm of, of healthcare uh, occurrence. So uh, yeah, this definitely, it was a great yeah. conversation and we'll, uh, we'll try to get that one out to folks uh, in some form or fashion in the coming weeks. Yeah. I mean, I, I already have a, a story up on medical design outsourcing off of it and, and you're right. He, um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that he, I mean, he really didn't want to describe intuitive as a robotic surgery right. company. Like they were a medical, dev- you know, med tech innovator, a medical device company. And, you know, and him him saying that, you know, he thinks in in the future, you know, it's it's just not going to be a, a big deal to say, oh, it's robotic surgery because you know it's just going to be so ubiquitous. You know, like it's going to be it's going to be more of a deal when it's like they're not using some kind of robotic feature on you when they're doing a surgery. So, so I, I, I it'll be cool to see how that works out. But I, I think I mean that that is a quite a vision. You know that that you know we're just going to and hopefully improve you know the quality of surgery by you know having these robotic technologies that kind of can kind of like level the the playing field and you know you don't have to worry as much whether your surgeon had too little or too much coffee you know before they uh, came into the operating room that would be great right and we had uh, other other keynote speakers we opened up with Deb Kilpatrick uh, co-CEO of Evidation Health 
Uh, you followed up with your interview with Celine Martin, company yeah. group chairman at Johnson & Johnson. Those were two great interviews. And I opened up day two with a great conversation with Leslie Trigg, uh, chair and CEO of, of Outset Medical. That was really good. That was a lot of fun. She's, she's great to talk to. And, uh, and she brought some photos of the Tableau system uh, that uh, allows for dialysis at the home and kind of really demonstrated and you know, really reinforced why what they why what they do is so important that they're able to yeah. save people the trips to dialysis centers, dialysis centers, give them their lives back, give them that time back. And we followed up that conversation with, uh, with uh, folks from, from outset giving a presentation. I wasn't, this is one of the things I wasn't able to sit in on either. Cause I was moderating another session, but uh, the, we had some engineers from outset medical talking about yeah. their human factor design. And uh, they brought a couple of Tableau systems and uh, it was just very cool to actually have have the technology we're talking about in the building and have people talk about how they built it and how they make it so intuitive for patients. So uh, so thank you to Outset for 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 participating uh, as they did. Yeah, it was very cool. And I, uh, I, I it, it, she told such a good story about how she got so passionate about that technology, just doing research on you know, how they could innovate in the dialysis space, you know, that it just really needed, needed some improvement. Um, you know, it could, like it can, it can be really tough for, uh, you know, somebody who has kidney disease, you know, to, you know, to, to have to go to dialysis centers. Absolutely. And we, uh, I'm looking at the agenda now. I feel like we could be talking for an hour and a half. Yes. We went over everything, but uh, wanted to hit upon Jim Hammerin, who's not with us because he's at another conference. Speaking of busy conference weeks, traveling back from uh, from Salt a conference. Lake City. Yeah, he wrote about Avail Med Systems. Uh, we had a pro. I had a, a panel discussion with three executives from Avail Med Systems, including CEO Daniel Hawkins, about how Avail is moving beyond sort of just using their, their telecommunication system. Uh, not only for sort of medical use, for surgical use or consultation, but really to help the whole product design, the whole engineering part of, of med tech and how they're hoping to give engineers and other product developers better access to surgeons so they can see the surgical field that they're designing for. So uh, Jim Hammerin wrote a great article about that for MDO, which uh, which is great to work with a fantastic editorial team like you guys are covering oh, all the thanks man no it's cool it was great to like be part of a conversation brian bunce wrote the article about the fda yeah. and i'm like i i learned something reading it. i'm like i don't remember that being said but that's really cool because <laughs> i was in such a such a haze but uh you guys kicked butt with with the coverage and sean sean hooley you uh you made it up on stage how was that for you I, I did. Uh, it was daunting at first, but you know, uh, Tom. Tom really walked me, helped help me through it. Uh, it. It was it was a lot easier than I thought it would be. But it was it was more importantly, it was two really interesting conversations. Um, one sort of about you know the clinician uh, or the business to clinician and business to physician uh, relationship, and another sort of about how Abbott's cardiovascular business. Uh, operates and both were really interesting conversations and I enjoyed, I enjoyed doing it. So uh, I, I'm afraid to say that because now you might put me on stage more, but oh, yeah. it was, it was, it was a good experience. Now you're, you're leading a panel in, in Boston for sure. <laughs> Great. But uh, yeah, no, the, the medical panel was, uh, was terrific. It's all we're up for Sean. <laughs> we had uh, Sean's best friend, uh, Nick West of, uh, of Abbott. Uh, Sean, you have any uh, comments you want to make about Liverpool's now that Nick can't, <laughs> can't uh, shoot back well the only drawback was that we couldn't have those uh 
discussions on stage. We had to keep it purely, <laughs> purely medical and purely professional. No, no, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll leave the pod shots for the next time I speak to him. Uh, we had uh, Nick West. He's a chief medical officer. He's been on the podcast before for, and divisional vice president of medical affairs for vascular at, at Abbott. We had on that panel that Sean referenced, uh, we had Farzad Azampour, you know, Senior Vice President of Strategic Innovation at Edwards Life Sciences. And we had Nilesh Patel yeah. of uh, Vice President of Medical Affairs at Neuromodulation Boston Scientific. And they really talked about how devices uh, could help alleviate some of the, the pressures facing the healthcare system. But I think that the takeaway I got from that was they all really want medical device companies to create devices that actually have an impact and aren't just sort of iterating. Tom, that was actually a really big theme this week at AdvoMed too, was there were a lot of conversations about AI. And I, I think uh, Dr. West actually was who joked about sort of dumb devices versus smart devices. And, and maybe not all dumb devices have to be smart. And that, that's definitely a theme that I think you know, some people are putting AI and machine learning and these certain sensing capabilities into technology that doesn't have to be there. It doesn't really serve a purpose. So that that's definitely something that'll be interesting to watch sort of if it ever hits a wall, I guess. That's interesting. That's interesting that it carried over. And speaking of AI, yeah. I moderated a panel with Jeff Rogers of IBM Research and Matt McDonald, Director of Data Research and Engineering at Boston Scientific about their AI program uh, and how they're using it to, to quantify or measure uh, pain in patients. And it was just a fascinating, IBM's helping Boston Scientific sort of process the data that's coming in from patients. And you're not only looking at the pain score, you know, are you a frowny face or, or a happy face, but more, how are people with pains living their lives and, and looking at that whole life uh, uh, um, yeah. image as, as a, a better measure for pain? Are you able to walk? Are you able to get up? Are you able to go to work? Are you able to walk the dog? Like all of these things really, really help dictate or, or determine or, or at least tell a better story about how people with pain are, uh, are uh, muscling through. Cause it's, uh, it's, it's going to be tough to be carrying that burden of pain with you uh, all the time. Well, it was a full show. I feel like uh, I don't want to miss, uh, leave anybody out. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, I, I, I like how, you know, we, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, we, I think we have a really great process going on here that, you know, that like, like what differentiates us is that, you know, our, you know, what we're doing panels on is informed by like all the news that we're reporting on mass device and, you know, all the technology deep dives we are doing on medical design outsourcing and that, you know, it informs these panels. Then we get more news out of those panels. It's this, uh, you know, it's this, you know, wonderful cycle that's just, you know, you know, producing, you know, like useful, useful stories on our sites. And I think like really useful, uh, useful panels, you know, for, for our events, you know, so this, I, you know, so I think, you know, people need to check this out if they're not doing it. If I can make, if I can make one more mention for, uh, Jim, actually, I think it was maybe one of the first panels, uh, first breakouts of the conference was, uh, his conversation with Penumbra and, uh, please don't get mad if I say it wrong. Uh, Sandra Les Enfants. That, is that right? That's that's fine. Beautiful. And uh, she was Jim the president great, of interventional at Penumbra. Yeah, Jim did a great job with it. She's one of the most engaging speakers I've ever been uh, able to sit in a room and listen to. Uh, she could describe grass growing, and it would be interesting. So it, it was. Uh, yeah. I, I would I would suggest if she ever speaks at any of our events again, that that's one reason to come. She she was awesome, and Jim did a great job with it. Yeah, and then one of my favorite moments off stage was when I actually posted on LinkedIn was the group of Penumbra employees kind of standing around with probably eight to ten people 
posing in front of a sign at Device Talks West, all clearly kind of having a good time and, and just taking a photo of, of the time spent together. So it was kind of, to your point, Chris, earlier, it was nice just to see people get together again and sort of enjoy each other's company. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, and, and just like, I mean, there was like one networking break where I had two two people I know very well are, you know, sources that, you know, I talk to a lot for our sites. And, you know, they're they're having a debate in front of me about 3D printing. I'm like, I'm getting like a panel on <laughs> like sitting out to getting a break. I mean, it's just it's just, you know, there's just a lot of expertise there. It was very cool. And we had uh, Chris, while, while Jim was talking to Sandra Lesfans of Penumbra, you were you had your supply chain conversation going on. I was I was leading a, a VC conversation. Uh, any takeaways from the supply chain? Getting better? What are, what are people thinking? I don't know. The problems are, are going to to last, but I mean, it's uh, I mean, I, I think what, the big one of the big takeaways I had from that supply chain panel, which you know had um, you know top, top supply chain people from um, you know Outset Medical and Shockwave Medical, was uh, that. Uh, their their importance in in their companies like the supply chain person is like way more important now than they were a few years ago and there's definitely recognition in the companies that you know these problems are not going to go away you know we've you know we've worked out how to keep things going through covid um but you know now we're looking at you know like increasing disruption from climate change you know we got the russia ukraine war still going on and uh you know there's uh there's a lot of work and a lot of things are transforming. I mean, a lot more closer work with, with suppliers and even like basing people over at suppliers to, you know, try, try to keep things moving better. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a new world. That's, that's, that's an important conversation that we'll probably keep having. The VC panel went well. I do know that one of the VCs connected with the potential investment uh, they're talking right now. So that's nice to, uh, yeah, wow. kind of nice way we're making some connections and uh, just, People making some money, they're getting some that's investments. Right. That's Great. right. Hopefully, we'll get a finder's fee. And we had uh, great conversations <laughs> by uh, Dassault Systems from Catalyze Healthcare, from Greenberg Traurig. We had uh, more sponsored uh, led discussions from uh, Dojo Five and Goodwin and Finnegan. And on the next day, we had presentations by TALG Law and uh, Avail, which I mentioned earlier. So. So lots of great, we have, I keep, I'm again, I'm going through the agendas. I'm trying to mention everybody I can, but I feel like, uh, I feel like we've, we've sum- summarized the, the discussion well enough. Brian Bunch, you were, uh, you were sort of the, the, you weren't on stage. You were, you were in every room. I seem to see you there. You were uh, omnipresent. Uh, any other takeaways from, uh, from the meeting? It was cool seeing so much energy at the event. I've not been to an event kind of like since, or since before the pandemic. So <laughs> It kind of seemed like old times. It was kind of cool seeing all the conversations and the social opportunities and the buzz and the, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was nice. And we had a nice time on the expo floor on that first night, too. It was good to, to see all of our yeah. sponsors down there as well. Uh, Medtronic was kind enough to sponsor an event. So fantastic. Yeah. You know, and I, I just say, like, you know, Tom and Sean, I, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to, you know, spend some time with you in person at conferences. But, you know, Brian, it was just, it was just really cool. I mean, you know, being able to see you in person <laughs> for the, gosh, how many years was it? Seven years we haven't seen each other in, in person. Something like, like that. Amazing. Seven, eight years. I don't know. It's been yeah. A while. Same thing with Jim Hamrand. It's been a, it's been about you know a decade. So I mean, just uh, just just feels good, you know, you know that uh, you know the you know the the pandemic, you know, kept many of us meeting in, in person with people. But it's just uh, 
it's you know it's it's it was it was really awesome to see you in person, see Jim in person, you know, just you know being able to, you know, um, you know, I, I we we talk to each other all the time over you know Zoom and these remote formats, but it's just uh, it's yeah, it's it's very it's very cool to just be able to hang out with my colleagues in person. So hopefully and 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 Boston we can get the entire team together because Brian and Jim weren't at Device Talks Boston, but Danielle Kirsch was, and Danielle Kirsch couldn't make it out to. Uh, to device talks west but uh, maybe we can get the the whole gang together or we can go to another restaurant sounds like a plan that serves meat on on, on sizzling rocks brian you missed the you missed the uh, the steakhouse man you didn't have the story about the last party that was here was two years ago on the table south side though yes, so, oh, yes. Our, our first night we were you know so worn out we like go go to the hotel uh, restaurant outside and they're like they're like like let me wipe the dust off the table like oh like (laughs) all right nobody's nobody's eating out here for two years (laughs) since the accident (laughs) i don't know where that organ music came from (laughs) yeah that was a that was a nice night though turned out that we were all we were all just waving the white flag and saying we'll just sit here and then our colleagues from the robot report came down they were putting on their own conferences and it was uh Fantastic. Good, good yeah. way to start the week. So, all right, everybody. Well, thanks for uh, for walking down memory lane and uh, sharing your your thoughts of uh, Device Talks West with uh, with our listeners. Well, CLTN, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Very excited to see you again, and thanks for having me. Yeah, I mentioned uh, on the podcast last week when we talked to Paul that you and I connected uh, while moderating a panel of, uh, I moderated the panel, you were a panelist of, of young entrepreneurs and executives. And uh, I remember your story about FIAX stuck with me. And I think you were you are also at Device Talks Boston, right? I saw you there. Yes, yes. We've been doing the conference circuit. So Fantastic. Well, congratulations on being MedTech Innovators Global Grand Prize winner. And uh, quite a bit of excitement at Advomed. Did you uh, did you enjoy your your time in the spotlight? Oh my goodness, Tom! We are so excited. It was thrilling for those people who are used to giving presentations and, and high stakes presentations, no less. I'm sure you could relate that the lead up to it was not quite that pleasant. <laughs> I'm familiar. You know, Tom, because for us, it wasn't just. We, were, we weren't just competing on stage, right? That's not how I'm seeing it. Uh, because the issue that we're addressing is so systemic and impacts our entire industry, that was really, I thought of it as a conversation one to 400 in the room, right? Including with the folks that we need to be working with so we can get th- through this together. So yes, surely the stakes felt very, very high. Uh, we're very relieved to, uh, and honored to have taken home the prize. Very competitive field. Uh, my colleagues are working on amazing, amazing things at MedTech Innovator, um, but we are very appreciative for the accolades. That's great. Yeah, and yours is an interesting company. I want to get into it right away and then find out a bit about your background because most of the folks we've talked to and I think the other finalists, for the most part, uh, develop devices to help people. You're actually developing a technology that hopefully will help the industry and its problem with uh, with sterilization. So before we get into your backstory a bit, uh, introduce our, our listeners to, to FIAX Technologies. Sure. Yes. We definitely are uh, used to being an odd duck in a sense. So FIAX Technologies is uh, helping the industry transition out of ethylene oxide use for terminal sterilization. And how we do that is we have a proprietary 
self-sterilizing material, uh, which allows medical device makers to sterilize in their manufacturing plant without the use of capital equipment and without relying on third-party facilities. And our materials are light activated, which means uh, now we can actually customize sterilization to whether companies want to develop flexible chamber applications of this, or they're looking at integrating it into their existing packaging technology. So, uh, so how is this done? What is your, what is your technology? So essentially what our customers see is uh, a form of packaging, right? And how it's applied is say you have a device you've assembled, you've pouched in your primary packaging, rather than putting it into the shipper box and ultimately the pallet, you can have the option of either dropping it into a pre-made pouch, a number of those, and sterilizing, sealing that, sterilizing it that way under light exposure. Or there are companies that we're working with that are developing ways to put it into their primary packaging. So now you're sterilizing in the primary packaging with the primary packaging. So we're really uh, enabling a paradigm shift, Tom, from what used to be, which is you ask the sterilizer, okay, how many pallets can we fit into your chamber, right? And how many items can we jam on this pallet to how can we customize the sterilization to our manufacturing line and get the maximum efficiencies there? So is the sterilization agent, is it the, the packaging itself or is the packaging containing something that's doing the sterilizing? Yeah, so that's a great question. And and certainly it takes a bit of time for folks to wrap their heads around just because it's so different, right? Thank you for saying that. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, as an aside, we work with the best and brightest, in, including in some of our largest companies in the industry and everyone, you know, it's just definitely a new way of looking at things. But back to your question, our packaging material uh, is enabled with a dry pr- uh, powder precursor. And so there's no actual sterilant in there. There's a precursor in there. And when it sees the light, it releases a sterilant that's FDA recognized for medical device sterilization. So the the delivery system is now no longer a gas chamber in a large third-party facility or a piece of capital equipment. It's the packaging itself. That's outstanding. I mean, that that's, sounds like a game-changing technology. Where, where are you in... Uh development and a testing do, and testing. Do we know this, this works? Are you still proving it works? Where are we at? Yeah. You know, the exciting thing, Tom, is we're going to see the first commercial use of this in medical devices sold out on the market in the U S starting next year. And right. you know, we have a number of companies that we're working with uh, some large, some of the large strategics included that have a very clear timeline for when they want to implement this or when they want to file their 510K. So we're just in the process of customizing the materials to them, to their lines uh, and data gathering, not for the purpose of proving feasibility, but for the purpose of them updating their uh, filings with the FDA. So if if I am a company that has a, a factory that makes say surgical staplers, FIAX will, 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 um, put some equipment into my factory that would add this this layer of packaging and, and the sterilization that goes with it? Is that how you're part of the system? Yeah. If we zoom out a little bit, let's just say you were a catheter maker, right? Mm-hmm. And you can say to us, we did the math and it makes more sense for us to buy rolls of film from you and convert it ourselves in line. Okay. Are, based off of your volumes, we want pouches to put our devices in 
or, you know, we're going to take a real ambitious shot in the you know, next couple of years and figure out ways to in- integrate this into our primary packaging. That's what's so uh, time consuming actually about this is now the teams that have traditionally not necessarily had to work together, you could work in your own silos, manufacturing, packaging, sterilization. Uh, now mm-hmm. I'm sitting at the table for the first time and boy, is it exciting. Wow. That's fantastic. What is the, uh, the origin of FIAX's technology? And I imagine you have all the, the necessary patent protection that goes with it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you know, it's an interesting story, Tom, actually, this is a company that I had spun out with a client of the previous company that I had founded and run for about eight years. Hmm. And what happened is early 2020, I got referred a customer that said to me, Hey, I have this uh, self-sterilizing material technology. What do you think about applying it for COVID containment? Right. And this was when COVID was rapid rampaging China. You know, I have family from there. So despite my initial, uh, you know, concern about, you know, I come up from a family of chemists, right? And this is a materials innovation. Mm-hmm. I've tried very hard, Tom, not to go into the family business. But <laughs> when, when we can make an impact in the world, I said, sure, why not? And we actually got a lot of interest from the Chinese FDA, from strategics there. But then the first COVID cases started to crop up uh, in Boston, in the East Coast, where I'm from. And we ran our process with the market here. And I was blown away, Tom. I never expected, and in the years that I had been doing commercialization as a service, I'd never seen such a response. All the medical device makers we spoke to said essentially the same thing, which was, yes, COVID is very impactful to our entire ecosystem, to our entire country and world, there's a lot of people working on this. That said, terminal sterilization of medical devices is critical to us manufacturing and selling devices. We might not be able to make devices in a couple of years. And mm-hmm. very few people are working on this. So can we apply this? I looked at the market, called up my now CTO, who incidentally was a former director of research at Baxter, at a certain point, I said, you know, we got to do this as a business. He agreed. And here we are. That's outstanding. And that's uh, the the sentiments and concerns that you shared just a moment ago that we may not be able to make metal devices in a couple of years. I mean, I think we're all sort of talking around the sterilization issue. We all recognize it's a concern, but um, I mean, I don't want to compare it to something like global warming, but there can be a lot of talk about something and, and nothing to, is being done about it. Uh, and I don't think we've had that kind of conversation about sterilization yet. Could you expand on that a bit? I mean, what are you hearing from from companies out there as to how dire a problem this is? And what do you think the outcome could potentially be? Yeah, so I'm I'm not uh, – I don't like to be in the business of predicting the future. But what I sure. can share with you is the very, very concerning trends that we've noticed, right? And I want to benchmark with – what happened in 2019, right? 2019 is when we had the first permanent shutdown of a sterilization plant outside of Chicago, quite a large one. Mm-hmm. The ripple effect of that is companies lost uh, hospital contracts because they weren't able to fulfill, including some of the big players. Uh, you had middle stage commercial losing a lot of fun, uh, money because they couldn't they didn't have sterile product to sell. Their sterile product was literally stuck in that plant for quite a while. And you had earlier stage companies, I would say sub 50 million 
there are many that went under and we don't talk about those stories because they mm-hmm. have zero product back, right? So that's what happened in 2019. And overall in the past couple of years, the stance from our industry has been, yes, uh, that there's data, but we do use noxious chemicals. We can use it responsibly. You can't do away with ethylene oxide, which many of those things are true. I think unfortunately from a public safety perspective, if we can't answer the question, uh, will I move my family within a mile of one of these facilities that have been flagged for high cancer risk? We've already lost, I would say, the moral argument, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, But we've seen a very terrifying escalation in what's happening in the past couple months that, frankly, I don't think our industry is quite prepared for. And what I mean by that is now, uh, since August, uh, EPA has put 22% of all of our sterilizers in its crosshairs for being high cancer risk. And then last month, we saw a record-breaking guilty verdict with damages to the tune of $363 million awarded uh, by a jury that were convinced beyond a, a shadow of a doubt that an ETO sterilizer caused a woman's cancer. Wow. Very dangerous precedent. And Tom, you know, people in the industry, I was talking with them at Avamed, there's a general misconception that that was a class action lawsuit. That was not. That was a single plaintiff lawsuit. Wow. From the first sterilizer that shut down. So here we have on a macro level, EPA just has handed uh, attorneys around the around the country a plate of all of our sterilizers. We know what happens when law firms see an opportunity to not only make a difference but to make a handsome profit. Sure. And you know we could just project forward what's going to happen. That's on the macro level, right? If we go down, I think certainly the large players have been coordinating to respond to this, to share information among them. They have committees internally looking at this. And my sense is that the urgency is there, but it has uh, certainly heightened in the last couple of months. The temperature and the attitude towards this has become dramatically more pessimistic, frankly, from uh, from very key people, not only within our industry, but but from you know FDA's perspective, from our you know trade organizations' perspective, and on the ground, what I'm hearing is companies that are doing even 100, 200 million top line. They're saying we're seeing three to four x cost increase as we're reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, companies sub 50 million. I hear we hear this all the time. They come to us and they say, we're being asked to pay the cost of sterilization validation to wait in line for eight months, nine months, 10 months. There's no capacity. They're all going down to these smaller scale R&D lines. And then you, you just got to ask what's going to happen to all of those smaller players, these, you know, pre-commercial or just commercial companies that need sterile product back, there's going to be a major cascade effect. Uh, And we're already starting to see the first temporary shutdowns of plants across the country. And as you you may know, and our our listeners may know, uh, it's not inconsequential to move to a new sterilizer. You have to go through validation again, and there's a lot of testing that's involved. So even if, Tom, you and I had an ETO plant and I shut down temporarily, so, you know, Bob wants to go to you. That's not an overnight process. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stressed out supply chain folks around the country right now. As if they needed something else to, to be stressed out about. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. That's, I mean, 
it's an area that I admit I'm been ignorant of, and I haven't. I've been, as I said, hearing about it and listening to people talk about it, but I hadn't really grasped the uh, the enormous implications of uh, of what's coming. Is is FIAX able to? You you can't be the only solution to this. Are you not able to to solve all the industries' woes? Are there other companies that are emerging to sort of provide alternatives? Where where is the state of your uh, sort of your ster- the, the sterilization industry? Sure, sure. So as you can imagine, this has been uh, something that the sterilization industry has kept a very very close eye on. I would say we are probably one of the few companies that haven't traditionally been in the sterilization industry attempting mm-hmm. to help this. Um, but we have two major hurdles to overcome to address this problem, right? The first major hurdle is, is a technical one. There is a, a small number of chemical sterilants, right? Chemical gas sterilants that are uh, even mechanically feasible with the majority of our devices, right? Radiation, uh, gamma, e-beam, very, very common, very commonly used, you know, ETO is 50% of the market, gamma is about 40, right? Mm-hmm. You can't offload the many of the devices currently sterilized with ETO into gamma because gamma is not compatible with the electronics, the sensitive polymers, et cetera, right? So those aren't going to be good solutions. The problem with a lot of other technologies is, you know, if you have to ask a medical device maker to fundamentally change the materials in their device so it's compatible with this new sterilization modality, we're going to have a major issue, right? Right. That's why there's no clear uh, contender at this point. Um, What we're seeing is our sterilant is highly compatible, very gentle because there's no preconditioning, there's no temperature requirements. Uh, And then the second piece of it, Tom, is the scalability piece. Right. Traditionally, and how many companies are addressing this, is large chamber and third-party gas facilities. Right, different gas, same facility, same capital equipment. And I think that's very valid. And certainly for products that you can jam thousands and thousands into a chamber, and just the unit economics are there. That's a really great solution for those those products. Unfortunately, if you think about it, how fast can you build a facility? Right. With with staffing challenges, even companies that do have existing facilities. I was talking to a, a, a colleague in the space who runs a competing business. I remember him telling me when our plant goes online, we're day one, hour one, 24 hour capacity. Done. No, no additional. Wow. So I think any solution, we there are multiple solutions. There's multiple ways. We, all, we are all needed to solve this problem. But fundamentally, anyone who's based in uh, capital equipment or a third-party facility is not going to be able to scale quickly enough to catch up with all of the closures and the havoc that our industry is about to face. Is FIAX able to help? Is your, do you come into the process only when a new device is leaving the plant? Or do you have an ability to sterilize something that's been used in a patient? Sure. Yes. So the interesting thing about our technology, Tom, is it's light activated, but it's on off. So, so long as you don't expose it to light uh, you know, fully so that all of it is activated, if you expose it to light and then shroud it in darkness and expose it to light again, it'll start to release again. Right. So there's a lot of flexibility in how we can apply it. There's certainly mm-hmm. this from hospitals for 
reprocessing. I think the advent of uh, the increased use of technology, particularly in the surgical theater, now we have devices that hospitals can't sterilize and companies don't know what to do with. So there's a lot of interest in, in that application for sure. I think the opportunity at hand is really to help our, our entire industry off-ramp from ETO, but certainly reprocessing is on our roadmap. Let's talk just a bit about you. You mentioned earlier on you didn't want to get into the family business. Uh, what business did you, did you want to get into? Uh, was it medical devices or, or something else? Yeah, you know, I've come to this quite uh, as, a, as a generalist, Tom. So my first business I had started shortly after uh, undergraduate. And over the years, we had developed a small team into commercializing novel technologies and services. So essentially, a company or an inventor would come and say, you know, we have this really interesting product or use case. It could be life-changing, could be world-changing, but uh, we need some support in getting enough of a commercial pipeline to raise our next round of capital. So I really mm-hmm. cut my teeth on a couple of things. One is, is this legitimate? And then two, if so, is this something that could make an impact within the next six months or a year with some enough effort? Or is this a $100 million investment over 15 years time? Uh, and so that's why it was very exciting to see this technology and, and play out, even though I don't have a specific background in medical device. Our team, you know, as you heard, my uh, co-founder, my CTOs, Baxter background, DuPont as well. Um, we have others on the team that are very heavily experienced in packaging. So this is a solution for our industry, essentially by our industry with a bit of startup uh, fire mixed in. Amazing. And what do you see the, well, well, let's talk for a moment about fundraising. Have you raised rounds of capital? I'm trying to remember the, the numbers written on the big check that Paul Grand gave you. Was it $350,000? Yeah, $350,000. Yeah. How, how, uh, how much have you raised in, in total at FIAX? Yeah. So we are fortunate to be well capitalized. We're just uh, closing in on a round this quarter. And okay. you can imagine the, the amount of inbound interest after that win has been pretty phenomenal. And we have some of the best investors along with us, um, medical device uh, industry experts and just folks who really believe that we stand to make a huge impact and make a big difference in the world right now. Right. And finally, what uh, what is your roadmap lead to? What, what do you see the future of the company being? Is it a standalone company? Do you see an acquisition by one of the strategics? What's what's the best outcome for you and, and for your technology? Yeah. So, you know, just uh, keeping my crystal ball in the corner, I think <laughs> my our entire team is aligned on one very important piece, which is this technology and the solution must exist in the industry. Must like a, also like an ethical mandate, moral ethical mandate, because it's so pivotal to the future of us being able to save and change patients' lives. So regardless of what path we take from a business standpoint, uh, that has always been our commitment and remains our commitment to be a technology that um, continues to enable those in our industry that are saving lives. Well, it's a great story. Congratulations again on the win at, uh, at MedTech Innovator and at AdvaMed. And uh, it's your, your timing could not be better. So uh, on behalf of others in the industry, I'm sure we're excited to see what, uh, what the future holds for you and FIAX. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much, Tom. Look forward to working with our industry together and to see you again. All right. Well, that is a wrap. Now is the time for us to uh, 
to tell folks how they can find us out there in social media land. Ryan Bunch, why don't you go first? Where can folks find you? Uh, Drug Discover Dev on Twitter, then LinkedIn. I'm the one of only two Brian Bunces, so I'm pretty easy to find. And Sean Hooley, where can folks find you out there? You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, S-E-A-N-W-H-O-O-L-E-Y, and same name followed by W-T-W-H, Sean Hooley, W-T-W-H on Twitter. Excellent. And Chris Newarker? You can find me on LinkedIn, Chris Newmarker, just like a new marker, and on Twitter, at Newmarker. Always happy to connect. And I'm on Twitter, at MedTechTom, and I'm on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. Please do share this podcast episode on those social media channels and link to all of us. We'd love to connect with you on uh, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And, uh, of course, we want everyone to what, Chris Newmarker? you got to like follow subscribe absolutely like follow and or subscribe to this podcast on those podcast applications that you love so much apple google spotify amazon etc etc and uh you won't miss a future episode of device talks weekly or striker talks or intuitive talks they all come through the same device talks podcast network so all right well that is a wrap thanks again everybody for uh for sharing your thoughts from uh from last week and have a happy halloween 